you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. I'm going to read from two texts this morning. I could read from all over the scripture, I guess, uh, to preach what the Lord has laid upon my heart. And and I'm so encouraged. It's incredibly encouraging uh, when things happen the way it did this morning, of course, there was a little theme in the songs that they were singing this morning. Um, just before I stepped up to do announcements, I turned to Sister Cheryl and I said, um, the song you just sang was titled Greater. And uh, the title of my message this morning is Greater. And uh, Brother Danny turned to him and he said, well, wait till you hear the next song we're singing, Greater Things. And so uh, I love it when God confirms his word. And so he obviously is wanting to speak to the hearts of his people today when unplanned the Holy Spirit moves in and just says this is what I'm wanting to speak into the hearts of my people today and so I could take my text from all over the scripture this morning and and um, I, I don't know um, I, I may not be as pointed and pinpoint uh, as I often am with my message type today but I feel that God wants to speak. Genesis chapter 19, verse number 17, then drop into verse 26, and then I'll be reading from Haggai, the second chapter. Genesis 19 and 17. And it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, Escape for thy life, look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain, but escape into the mountain, lest thou be consumed. Now this is the angel of the Lord speaking, and this is speaking to Lot and his family to flee the city before it was consumed. Verse 26 said, but his, Lot, speaking of Lot, but his wife, Lot's wife, looked back. From behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. Haggai, the second chapter, in the ninth verse, I'm just going to read the first little piece of this scripture. The glory of this latter house, this is speaking of the building of the temple, the glory of this latter house shall be greater, everybody say greater, shall be greater than the former. Spencer asked me this morning as we were preparing to church, come to church, he said, so dad, are you, are you preaching 
a 2019 vision. I said, well, not exactly. I, I just felt the unction of the Holy Ghost to, to preach this this morning. But I don't know, it'd be fine with me if what God has planned for us in 2019 would be greater than what we've been through in 2018. For some of us, we're glad to see 2018 go. And I believe in God has greater things in store. Would you give the Lord a shout of praise today? Come on, lift up your voice and shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph. He's got greater things for you. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and tell him what is ahead of you is greater than what is behind you. God bless you. You can be seated today. Now, I must be honest, there's a certain sense of, I don't even know what to call it, there's a certain sense that comes over me when my kids start sitting around and, Dad, tell that story. Share, share about when you were a kid and you walked to school uphill both ways. Tell that story, Dad. It amazes me how that we immortalize the grandeur of things in the past. Some things that we really don't enjoy too much, when we tell the story later, it seems that it becomes greater. If it, if it happened back then, then it, it must have been magnificent because it's something from the past. And I, I love to think about things of the past because there was a lot of good things in the past. I have a lot of good memories. I, I was blessed with, to be raised in a good home uh, by good parents and have good siblings. And, and uh, not perfect. Nothing was perfect. None of us have had perfect lives. But, but I had a good life. Um, Certainly was not raised with a silver spoon in my mouth, but um, I was blessed. I had what we needed, and uh, my dad provided for our family and uh, was a very hard worker, and there's so many, so many good things. I, I reflect on good things. My dad was a pastor, pastoring a church when I was born. As a matter of fact, the third day of my life was spent in church. My mom already had me in church three days after my birth, and most of my growing up years was spent on church pews. And back then, in those days, uh, we didn't have a once-a-year revival called the Awakening that actually added a Thursday and Friday to a normal schedule. But our revival services would go for four or five or sometimes six weeks, and we went every night. They didn't even have breaks or rest nights. We would go Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. And, and I was the preacher's kid. And we didn't have an option to stay home. If I didn't feel well, I just went and had to lay on the couch in my dad's office. It was, it was good. It was good times. It was great times. We, we had church services that lasted way past noon and 
into the afternoon, practically all day. I do remember all day services that was arranged and planned. And there'd be all day services that lasted over into the, the evening. We would break and have back then what they called dinner on the grounds. And it was, it was a good time of fellowship. Um, I remember the days of no padded pews. I remember the, the church pews that actually were built out of little wooden slats. I haven't seen any like that in a long, long time, but uh, your, your suit pants or your dresses would all bear the marks of several snags because occasionally they would pinch or a nail would work its way out. Uh, most of you are just looking at me this morning like, where in the world are you going with this? I'm talking about all how things were so great in the past. I, I remember my dad pastored a little church uh, out in the country uh, for about two years uh, in my, t- my early teenage years. And uh, we not only didn't have any padded pews, we were in East Texas in the summertime and we had no air conditioning. That's right. Now that doesn't mean much to you in Indiana that can live without air conditioning, but at 100 plus degrees in a crowded room, with a bunch of crazy Pentecostals praising God. It was rather, I'll use the kind term of stuffy. And I remember services in the evening going, and we had to get up and go to school every day. I mean, you couldn't lay out of school because of church, but my dad being the pastor, and and, uh, it was the area that we lived in, a very remote area, and so my dad drove an hour south to work every day from our home. But the church where he pastored was an hour north. It was a real remote area. And so we'd drive an hour south to work, come back, pick up the family, and go an hour north, and we would go into these six-week revival services, and some of the services would last till midnight. How many of you want to go back to the old days? I'm not getting any takers this morning. I don't want to go back. That's not what I'm looking for. But I would tell you this. Satan would like nothing more than for the church to believe that the best days for the church are gone behind us. And that everything is downhill from here. But I come today to tell you that the best days and the the, the best time to be living for God is not in the past. It is in your future. The church is not going down. The church is going up. Satan will be cast into hell and will be bound and will be cast into hell. But the church is destined to glory. The church is destined to rapture. The church is going up. In your personal lives, the enemy would like for many of you to believe that your best days are behind you. The the days of your best health. That you are better off living in the past and reminiscent of the past. Because what is ahead of you cannot compare with what is behind you. But that is a lie from the pit of hell this morning. I came to tell you that Satan is trying his best to cause us to believe that what is ahead of us is not as great as what is behind us. But I come today to tell you greater things are ahead. Greater things are in our future. Our best days are to come. Your most 
Your most beneficial years are still ahead of you. If you've got somebody sitting next to you that's having a hard time believing what I'm preaching, why don't you just look at them? Particularly if you're younger and you've got an elder sitting next to you, why don't you look at them and tell them your best years are still in front of you. You don't have to accept, well, because I'm a little older that I that my best days are behind me. Put that out of your mind this morning. Your best days are in your future because God is in control of your future. There's always been a pull. There's always been a pull between the, 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 the past and the future. It's always like a tug of war between the past and the future. There, there's always been prevailing winds that blow toward both the past and the future. They, they pull on us. They push us. And like gravity, they pull relentlessly. They're, they're constantly drawing us. They're... There is something that, that, that is always drawing us to back and forth. And unfortunately, there is something in the human nature that causes us to long to go back and relive moments. And we, we all enjoy reminiscing of, of moments, but we must be careful because if we spend too much time reminiscing in the past, it can cause us to fail in our progression for our future. So the pull of your future must always be greater than the pull of your past. Perhaps this is why that the Apostle Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind, I press toward the mark. Forgetting what's behind me, I press because what is ahead of us must always be greater than what is behind us because God never intends to take his people down but always intends to take us up. We all reflect, and reflection is not bad. The same apostle said for us to stir up our pure minds by way of remembrance. In our text this morning, the scripture gives us some insight into what happens as the Lord sends a word to Lot and his family. And he tells them, I want you to get out of the city and don't look back. But Lot's wife looks back, and you know the story. She becomes a pillar of salt. She obviously, her looking back was not reflecting. But her looking back was looking back with regrets. Perhaps there must have been a desire in her heart to go back. She was walking away because that's what her husband said that they must do because God had spoken to him. But in her heart... The pull of the old life was greater than the pull of her future. She was delivered by the mercy of God, led out by an angel, and her life was spared. But the pull of her old world was so great 
that it caused her to look back. Can I preach to you for a few moments today? Child of God, let me remind you today that there is nothing to go back to in your old life. I never want to go back to the old life without God. Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. We can't afford to allow the winds of life to direct our future. We must learn to adjust ourselves and ourselves and keep moving forward toward greater things. The real issue comes to point at this. If we're caught in the middle of winds pulling us both ahead and behind, if we're caught in the middle of this tug of war, Pastor, tell us this morning what we should do in order to be able to move forward. Here is your answer. Lot's wife looked back. You will always go the direction that you are looking. Where you place your focus will be where you're going. And if you're not careful... Terrible calamity can be ahead because if you think you can look back distracted, if you can think that you can walk distracted without having calamity in your life, you're fooling your own self. A few weeks ago, a young lady came and visited our family and the church. We brought her here and took her on a tour of the building and she was excitedly texting her family back in Nacogdoches, Texas, I'm sure. And she was walking through, and we walked through into Cheryl's office, and the next thing we know is we hear calamity on the glass door. For our sweet and lovely destiny was texting and walking. Looking down and paying no attention to what she was doing, she never saw the glass and she walked right into it. Sorry, Destiny, that's what happens when you get a ring on your finger. Now you get to feel what my kids have felt all their lives being the point of illustrations in my sermons. The reality check for all of us is, is that we, oh no, I want to move forward in God, I want to move forward in God, but we keep, our, we keep glancing over our shoulder at our old life. We keep being drawn back to what God is delivering us from and what God is taking us away from. But instead of us breaking free and looking ahead and looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, we get sidetracked always looking at the world from which we have come and calamity will, will lie ahead. I'm speaking to CLC members this morning. It's time we put our focus on the Lord and say there's no turning back, no looking to the left or to the right. I know I've got some things in my past. I know there, but I'm looking unto Jesus. There are greater things ahead for my life. So we often go where we're looking, and the scripture also tells us to be cautious and be careful. 
about being tossed to and fro. This, the, the King James Version uses this, this phrase, to be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. That means everything that comes to you in the form of thus saith the Lord may not be true. And the apostle is telling us be careful about being tossed about, letting these winds that blow into your life toss you about and get you looking every direction. But instead, get your eyes on Jesus because people will fail you. Nobody going to help the preacher this morning. You guys ate so much through the Christmas holidays, you don't have an amen in your spirit this morning. People will fail you. Things will fail you. You've got to get your eyes off of people that are around you. Get your eyes on Jesus and declare, I'm moving forward. The apostle says, forget the things that are behind and press toward the mark. <laughs> Often when hardships arrive in our lives, it either brings out the best or the worst in us. Our struggles either pull us back or cause life to stop. And, and, and we have to find the courage to go on it and and. The only thing that propels us forward is our faith in, in the Lord. And, and we've all been through it. We've all been there. And these are tough times, difficult times. And if, if some are going through it this morning, and we recognize uh, some are, are going through it this morning, and I don't want to make light of that whatsoever. And we've all walked through those dark days. And for those of you that are here this morning, and you're like, man, I have no idea what pastor's preaching about. Uh, hold on, because if you're not going through it, uh, you're, you, you fit into one of three categories. Either you've been through it, you're going through it, and if you don't fit in any of those categories, I feel the most sorry for you because you're going to go through it. Oh, well, I thought I, I, thought I, uh, I got saved, sanctified, and set free, and, and everything's going to be good in my life, and everything's going to be greater. You're preaching greater this morning, Pastor. You're telling me everything in life's going to be greater. Everything in life will be greater because the Scripture said all things work together for the good to them that love the Lord and are the called according to His purpose. It did not say that we will understand that everything is working together for our good because when it's working, sometimes it don't feel good, it don't look good, it doesn't make any sense. I don't know how, but through faith we know that all things are working together for the good to them that love the Lord and are the called according to His purpose. So when I can't see my way, I know He's working. When I can't feel it, I know He's working. When it's dark, I know God's still working. When I can't figure it out and find my way, I know God is still working because He will never fail you. He will always lead you into greater things. You can be, but you will go through some dark days. You will go through some trials. It is life. You will go through it. But that's the good thing. With God, we don't get stuck in it. We will go through it. That means there's another side to all of it. I'll never forget, I don't know, maybe 10 years or so ago, there was a great flood that came and uh, hit the city of Columbus, Indiana, and that surrounding area in the river rose to uh, unbelievable heights and broke records of water levels and the river got out and it was some seven feet beyond the flood of 1913 which was the largest highest flood stage they had ever seen and it went seven feet above that and about the whole city of Columbus, Indiana was underwater and nice homes flooded and I have a good pastor friend that pastors there and a lot of church friends there and, and uh, the people were so concerned uh, about all the loss of the significant things and historical value and destroy of homes and businesses alike. 
and, and Pastor Dan Mitchell at that time, uh, I believe he said there were 16 families that lost their homes in one church, 16 families in one day lost their homes because of a flood. It was unbelievable. And a minister friend that I served with on the Indiana Youth Committee for several years, uh, Reggie and Gwen McLaurin, uh, they were ministers on staff at the church there, and they lost everything. Both levels of their house was destroyed in their tri-level home. And um, I, I was talking to Brother McLaurin and uh, was just telling him how sorry we were to hear what had happened and asking if there's anything we could do. And uh, he was so upbeat, and he said, uh, Brother Jordan, he said, I I'm going to tell you. He said, um, you know that old house? I just appreciate his attitude about it. He said, you know that old house? He said, man, that thing was... He said the drywall was beat up and it needed painting and it just needed a lot of work. And he said, I don't know. He said, we, we lost a lot. And he said, it's been, it's been devastating. It's been, it's, been, it's just been so difficult. But he said, you know what? He said, people are coming together and helping us in ways we never thought. And he said, we're, we're putting that thing back together. He said, people are showing up and helping us. And he said, when, when we get this thing finished, he said, man, we're going to have a better house than we ever had. He said, we're, we've got every, it's going to be new paint, new carpet, new furniture. He said, I mean, we're moving into a brand new house. He said, on the day of the calamity, you didn't see what the end product was going to look like. But he said, in the end, I'm telling you, Brother Jordan, things are going to be better than what they were in the beginning. I like that kind of attitude. If on the bad times of our life if we can understand that it won't last always that it's just a season I came to tell somebody that life doesn't end because of trouble and struggle but the pull of the future must be greater than the past and we must understand that God has greater things in store for our future I realize I'm, I'm going to run out of time if I don't hurry this morning but in Genesis the ninth chapter in verse 28 the Bible tells us about a man named Noah. And if I was to ask you this morning about Noah, you would all say the same thing regarding Noah. If I ask you, tell me the defining point in Noah's life, and most of you would not say it was the 120 years that he preached or the 120 years that he built an ark. But you wouldn't even say that it was, it was uh, the time that he spent on the ark. But you, you would just say it was the flood. The flood was the defining point in his life. It was, it, was, it, was, it was the defining point. When we speak of the flood, we think of Noah, we think of Noah, we think of the flood. That's what we always think about. But I want you to get this. In Genesis 9 and 28, the Bible says that Noah... Can you put that on the screen for me, maybe? Genesis 9 and 28. It says something like this. And Noah lived after the flood. Everybody say, after the flood. And Noah lived after the flood. How long? 350 years. After the flood. Now, nobody talks about that. What we talk about... We talk about the fact that, that Noah had a flood and the world was destroyed. And we, we, th that's what we talk about. But we don't talk about the fact that Noah lived after the flood 350 years. A great part of Noah's life now was spent... Matter of fact, 120 years was spent preparing the ark. Watch this now. About five months of his life 
was spent living during the flood and in the aftermath of the flood. But the Bible said that Noah lived 350 years after the flood. 350 years. What we normally identify Noah with is the flood, but we fail to notice that the majority of his life was spent after. Everybody say after. After the flood. Noah was the only one who knew how to offer sacrifices. It fell his lot as the spiritual leader. Before the flood, Noah is attributed to hearing from God and building an ark, saving his family, and ultimately saving the world. Although Noah lived 350 years after the flood, all that is attributed to him during that time was that he got drunk and walked around naked. Listen, when the pull of the past is stronger than the tug of the future, it causes people to lose hope. A lot of people are known by their past. It's the young lady whose parents got a divorce. It's the girl who was abused. It was the guy who was addicted. It was the one that attempted suicide. It was the person that went to jail. It was the one hurt by what somebody said. And and. These are things that causes people to pull their curtains and just stay home. The pull of the past causes people to lose perspective of life. They don't want to get out of bed. They don't want to go forward. They don't want to see the grandkids. They don't want to be sociable. But the living that Noah did after the flood was what separated Noah from everybody else. The flood was, was a defining event in his life. But the fact that he lived through the flood is what set him apart from everybody else. Everybody else went through the flood, but they died in it. But Noah went through the flood and came out the other side of it. Can that be a word for somebody this morning? That trouble won't last always. Can somebody find some faith this morning to say, I still have some good days left ahead of me. I still have some faith in me. I still have some living left to do. Everybody lived during the building of the ark, but only one man and his family lived after the flood. Nobody else lived because they weren't prepared when the flood came. The pull of the future must always be greater than the pull of the past. I won't be much longer. I, I know you're tired and holidays have you this morning, but I, I want to leave you. I want to leave you encouraged this morning. Ezekiel listed Noah, Daniel, and Job as righteous men. Ezekiel 4 and 14 says, though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord. What was it that defined them? For Noah, it was a flood. Before the flood, he built an ark, preached 120 years, revival, and only ended up saving his family, but ultimately the whole human race from extinction. After the flood, he doesn't have a whole lot in his life other than he lived 350 years. But for Daniel, it was a lion's den. Before the lion's den, he interpreted the king's vision. But after the lion's den, Daniel then had his own vision. Mm, Ain't nobody going to help me preach this morning. Can I say it one more time? Before the lion's den, 
Daniel interpreted the king's vision. After the lion's den, Daniel had his own vision. For Job, it was everything except his life. Before, before losing it all, Joseph, Job was the wealthiest man in the east. After his trouble, God gave him back what he originally had in multiple measure that was twice what he had before his calamity. Can somebody get the faith today to say, my best days are still ahead of me? And they all lived through it. The pull of your future must be greater than your past. There are greater things ahead for you. Everything that God has for you is in your future. Even God himself cannot change your past. He can forgive your past, but he can't even change your past. What has been done has been done. But God, by your faith, can change your future. The past was never intended to define you. How you handle your future is what's going to define you. In Matthew chapter 7, the Bible said that there was a man that built a house upon a rock. And the whole purpose of this story, it says the rain descends, the flood came, the winds blew, beat upon the house, and it didn't fall because it was founded upon the rock. And then it goes on to say that everybody that heareth this saying and doeth, and doeth it not would be a foolish man, and he which builds their house upon the rock, uh, they, when the rains come, they will, they will be steady. But then the Bible gives the alternative to that and said that a foolish man built his house upon the sand and the rain descended and the flood came and the winds blew and beat upon the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. But the whole purpose of the story was the fact that there was a house that stood after the storm. That was the point of the whole parable that it stood after. It didn't really, all that really mattered was that it stood, it's the living that happens after your storm It is your foundation that will determine whether you survive the storm to stand and live in a greater future. John the Revelator, I'm closing, John the Revelator gives us some precious promises. And it says, he who overcomes shall inherit. The word overcome literally means he who conquers or he who prevails or he who is victorious. So the scripture through Revelation, there's a whole thread and it said, to him that overcometh or to he that prevails, I will give to eat of the tree of life freely. It goes on, to he that conquers, they will not taste of the second death. To he that is victorious and keeps the work unto the end will I give power to the nation. The whole scripture is full. To he that prevails, to he that conquers, to he that is victorious. It is all about to he 
that goes through it. The whole book of Revelation, the last book in the Bible, begins to lay out to he that goes through it, to he that comes out the other side, to he that prevails, to he that wins, to he that is victorious. This is what I'm trying to relay to you this morning. This is what I'm trying to get over to you this morning. There are greater things in store, but you have got to make up in your mind and in your heart, and you've got to get the courage and the wisdom to stay, to say, when I've done everything I can do to stand, I'm just going to stand. When I get a chance to walk forward, I'm going to walk forward because it may be tough, but there's greater things ahead for me. There are better things in my future than what's behind me. I may have been through it. I may be going through it, but God has greater things in my future. Stand with me all over the room today. What has the strongest pull in your life? Is it the pull of the world, the pull of the past, the pull of the things that are behind you? Is that drawing you? Is that the greater thing in your life that's drawing you? Is that what you're magnifying? Is it the stories of your past, of what God delivered you from and brought you from, but you, you just can't seem to leave it? Or are you focused on what God has in your future? He says, I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord, to give you hope and a future and to give you an expected end. God is wanting to give you something in your future that is greater than your past. You can't even do that for yourself. You can just make the choice of saying, that's what I want to do. It is the very last Sunday morning of 2018. This would be a marvelous day for somebody in this room today to say, I'm not going to let my past define me. I'm not going to, I'm going to turn loose of my past and I'm going to step out into the future. If I preach to you this morning and that's you, if you've made up in your mind that I'm going into 2019 with more faith than I've ever had, I'm going to trust God in all things in my life. Just follow the lead right here. Just step out from where you are. Walk to the front of this room and declare in the name of Jesus, there are greater days ahead for me. I know I've been through it, but there's greater things ahead for my future and I'm going to receive it by faith. I'm going to walk into the future by faith. I'm trusting God. For my future. He's got something great for me. Greater things are ahead. Come on, join us in the front of the building this morning if you would. God has greater things in store. Why don't you just respond to the Word of God today by declaring, I want the greater things that God has for my future. I want the greater things.